0: I'm Amy and I'm Jess, and we are two sober women committed to helping you live an optimized life. This show is about stories and
1: strategies to help you optimize your health, your relationships and your businesses. We focus on keeping it simple and having fun. Hi, y'all. Hi, y'all. Hi, it's Amy and Jess. Oh, we're here for another episode of the Optimized Life podcast. And guess what, y'all? We're gonna be talking about all the emotions. And I love that these are lining up this way. Last week, we talked about grief. Mm. And so guess what? We're talking about one of the stages of grief today. Something that we're all familiar with but maybe we don't really explore that often. I know for me, anger was not an option. And anger is what we're gonna talk about today. You know, I, my deepest wound is don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. So I could not get angry. And if you resonate with that, we'd love to hear from you. Come to our Optimize Life podcast, um, Facebook group, or shoot us an instant instant message on Instagram or private message on Facebook, all the things, but like, if you stuffed down your anger, or if you resorted to anger every time something didn't go your way. I would really love and Jess would really love to just hear like what what was it like for you and we're going to talk about what it's been like for us and we're going to share a bunch of really cool shit about all the things that are anger and we'll start this conversation. Hey Jess.
0: Hey, Amy, it is so good to be here with you today. And I love the flow of these last few episodes um, because they've really mirrored things that are not only going on in the world, but that are going on in in all of our lives, right? And so um, anger is a a good topic for me and and hopefully for everybody that's listening. It's just very relevant. And because there's so many things that we can be angry and fearful about right now, you know, going on what a year and a half into this pandemic, um, witnessing the big, the biggest mass casualty event of our lifetime. Um, and, and and it being coupled with the sixth mass extinction of life on earth, you know, there's a lot going on externally, right? And so, um, what can we do about that? And, and it's like, no wonder our nervous systems are so dysregulated. And that's why we talk so much on this podcast about that. And like Amy said, we, we jumped into grief and loss and love last podcast, which was relevant in, in my life because we had recently sent said goodbye to our two rescue dogs that were like our kids. And, um, and I did, I moved through, That 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 stage of anger, mourning them, and then moved into um, acceptance and um, you know gratitude for being able to be there for them and being able to experience this beautiful life together. So the full range of emotions, and and I love and we talked a little bit um, too about how this this concept of love and death and how they're they're interrelated from an evolutionary perspective, but that when it comes to death and, and change in general, right? And change is death almost, right? I mean, you could, you could it's, you know, something dying off to birth something new, um, but that our, our nervous system has really um, evolved in a way to resist that change to protect us. And this, this is so true with fear and anger as well, right? Um, and, and, and they have evolved also to keep us safe. So anger and fear specifically, are an integral part of our body's fight, flight, freeze response, and that's another thing that you hear us talk about all the time on this show is just that nervous system um, response at those three different uh, inflection points and how to regulate up and down that that polyvagal ladder. And so, um, what I just wanted to share a little bit of background on anger. Um, you know, I was doing some preparation for this, and it was so fascinating because I hadn't really spent a lot of time in the, in the weeds on it, like I did. And so I wanted to share a couple of things that I think might, might be um, just cool, fun facts to, to really understand about anger. So when we express anger, our limbic brain, the limbic portion of our brain turns on And this consists of, um, you know, this part of our brain is really the the part of our brain that's responsible for memory and regulating emotions, right? So two very important things, because they really intertwine, right, um, closely. And it consists of the amygdala, the hippocampus, and the hypothalamus. And what I think is really cool about um, the amygdala uh, amygdala is that it assigns emotional meaning to memories, right? And it helps the brain form fear-based memories, while the hippocampus helps form sensory memories, which are the memories that are associated with sensory input. So what does this mean? It means that when um, you have a smell or something reminds you of something, and it brings back memories of some some time, um, in the past, right. That's really your hippocampus, um, bringing that forward. Right. So it makes me think, and I was just you know, talking to my mom the other night about being back home in Hawaii and just smelling the plumeria flowers everywhere. And, and, and I can, that brings me right. I can, Like I just got goosebumps. I can actually like smell that smell talking about it. So just kind of cool to understand from a, 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 you know a science perspective, how that works. And of course, when the limbic system perceives a threat That's when, you know, the cortisol, your stress hormone starts pumping, your adrenaline starts pumping, your, um, you know, your, your sympathetic nervous system gets activated. And that's, again, something we talk about on the show. So it should all make sense. Right. And when you're operating from that limbic part of your brain, and your nervous system um, is in that place of sympathetic energy, it really creates a narrowing of possibilities a narrowing of, of the ability to, to respond. Um, the range of choices becomes limited. And um, that's not a place we want to spend a lot of time in, right? That, that, that's, that doesn't lead to a lot of good. Um, but if we can learn to pause and just really create space around that that anger it can it can be a powerful force for good and it can create a lot of freedom and really help with mental well-being right so when we're able to pause it also allows us to you know respond in a thoughtful and compassionate way and of course you know anger and fear can be triggered by both internal and external things and i was thinking about that today and of course like what triggers anger looking at social media <laughs> Like, um, checking any source of news, um, that sort of thing, right? That's kind of external, but then internal as well. When we feel like we've been wronged and, and Amy, you'll, you know, me well enough to know that I have this uh, injustice streak, right? <laughs> so um, when I see or feel injustice, that's where my anger antennas go ding, and um, I can really get tightly wound around that. So, do you, do you have anything you want to share in terms of like this getting in the weeds on this? I know it's really a kind of a fun topic.
1: Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing all of that in. So, you know, I think what I want to do is like break this down a little bit to like what actually happens and the responses too. So, a lot of times people come to me and be like, oh my God, I'm having flashbacks. And I'm like, hmm, okay, cool. But the general sense of a flashback is pretty negative, right? Like something's wrong, red alert, red alert, red alert. And um, and I, there's something wrong with me or I'm bad or, you know, this is all coming up to shame me or to guilt me. And when we think about this in the way that Jess has just described, like the actual functioning mechanisms of our of our very complex biology, right? So the nervous system, the brain, they're all talking to each other. And if we think about this, the hippocampus, just as quickly as we talked about the plumeria, which we have a plumeria plant over here in Rockport. So I love like grabbing the leaves and just like, Hawaii. Yeah, such fond memories there, right? But you you got goosebumps immediately. So your body knows how to get there so quickly. And then when we latch onto it, like a flashback, oh my God, I'm having a flashback. Fuck this. I don't want this. I don't want this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And then that ruminating turns on and then the cortisol starts to you know, bounce around the body and the adrenaline and then you're sweating and you're hot and you're, and then you're in a full anger response, right? And And maybe you're mad at the part of you who didn't know any better when you were out there drinking or when you were having an affair on your partner or when you were eating too much sugar or when you were, you know, just in a lot of pain. And so this stuff is happening so quickly in our bodies and it's happening like all the time. And, you know, what our work is all about here is like, how do we start interrupting these patterns more frequently? Not to say that anger isn't healthy. Right. And here's where we're going to get into the duality of all of this and the, the you know, just the polarity of, of, of the, the human experience. But, you know, I want to really say like this stuff happens quickly and getting caught up in like, oh, but that's my amygdala and that's my hippocampus. And that's my, you know, like, yes, it is all functioning all the time, but this shit happens so fast. And what we want to do today is create the awareness and the safety around anger, how to feel it safely and to know, and this is what I love about science, that there's nothing wrong with you. Like your biology is working and it's okay, but if it's not working for you to make your life the way you want it to be, then that's where you can get a lot of like yummy data from this but there's nothing fundamentally wrong with you. You're having an anger response and your brain and your body and your nervous system are doing what they're supposed to do. So I love bringing the science in just cause it's like, there's no shame.
0: The science takes out the shame. And that's why I love trauma work. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And just uh, going through the, the leads on this just reminds me too, of like everything that we talk about on the show around the gut and the brains talking, and they talk through this access. And so just to bring it full circle. So when we say the the brain, the limbic brain, turns on the sympathetic nervous system, that is your thinking brain, turning on your nervous system, which is the communication pathway to the rest of your body, right? And that's what it's so fascinating. So your brain, um, your brain brain is your thinking brain, your gut brain is your, your feeling or your sensing brain. Right. And so that nervous system is what's communicating or communicating all of those mechanisms throughout your body. So when I think about the goosebumps and the feeling I just got in my stomach, when I thought about the plumerias, it's like, isn't that so cool? I just love all this geeky stuff um, that we get to be like in front of because the science is so new. Okay, Uh, we're getting into the feelings. I like to be in the data, um, but we are going to get into the feelings portion of it. (laughs) So let's jump into um, into the duality of anger, because as I was sharing with Amy before we jumped on, there is, there, it's really fascinating that anger is this intelligent emotional response, right? It's almost as if we know something needs to change. That's why that response is invoked, right? It's promoted by that deep knowing that something it needs to be different, right? So it's like this intelligent life force of, almost in, in us. And of course it can either lead to destruction or be a very powerful force for something good. And um, I I always like to bring in a quote to these podcasts and there is a a civil rights activist by the name Audrey Lord and she's an American writer and a feminist, a womanist, a librarian. But I love the way she, um, she describes anger. She says, anger is loaded with information and energy that can be used for the hard work of excavating honesty about unjust personal, social, political, and institutional experiences. Ooh, that is so, so good. And, and Amy, I would love for you to jump in and just share a little bit too. We were talking before we jumped on around um, how women, um, you know, we haven't, we've been taught to suppress anger, right? To be a good housewife, to be to work in the confines of this patriarchy. And so we have years and years of this, you know, kind of suppressed anger that that now we're we're able to do more with. So what does that look like if you wanna share?
1: And we'll be back right after a word from our sponsor. What if you had a tool that could help keep you accountable, mend your fractured relationships and establish healthy daily routines? Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help you create an optimized life, y'all. It's trusted by thousands of treatment professionals nationwide, including me. Soberlink helps recovering individuals gain accountability for sobriety through a comprehensive system that combines daily scheduled testing with advanced reporting capabilities to track progress. Soberlink devices use real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection to ensure the integrity of each test so your loved ones can witness you thrive in recovery. For tips on how to achieve lasting recovery, as well as a $50 off promo code, visit soberlink.com forward slash thrive. Gosh, yes, yeah. What does it look like? Shit. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'd like to use myself as an example and maybe I'll identify with this, but I, I don't, I was not comfortable with anger. Like it seemed like the, The men in, you know, pretty traditional Catholic Mexican upbringing, um, the men had a lot of room to be angry. Um, They didn't really know any other way to express emotion Um, because my original incident is like, please don't be mad at me because if you are, you'll leave me. Then I really didn't have that expression. So what I did, and here's the tricky part. And this is where like like duality is. I did actually have it, but I turned it inward. I was angry at myself. So I always looked for my part in it and I always found it, right? Even if it really wasn't, but I would take that anger and I would put it inward. And that's why like alcohol made so much sense to use because it would just drown that emotion, that feeling, that sensation, that cortisol, that adrenaline, that unjustness. Right. And an honesty was underneath of it. And that's what recovery is to me. Like, I love this quote in so many ways, because what recovery to me is like taking out all the shit that I fragmented, that I made wrong, that I did all these things with. And if you think about women as a, like a collective, the, the feminine, the feminine energy, whether whether your gender is male, female, however you claim your gender, like this has been suppressed like forever. Like we've been burning witches for how long? Like the shit runs so deep. And so sometimes when I think about anger and I don't know why I'm angry, really, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think this is ancestral. Like I think I'm, some, I'm angry about something that like I'm, I'm bringing forward because I'm this transitional character in so many different ways because I'm not really sure why I'm so fired up about this, but I am and it's real and it's visceral. Um, and I think like a big thing to tell the people that are choosing recovery of any kind out there, like if you're recovering from a broken heart, it's so much easier to use anger to hide what's underneath of there. And it can actually be the catalyst to alchemize like what's underneath there because it does bring up so much honesty if we allow it to be felt. And, you know, I, I, I swing in a lot of communities where we, where we get angry together because like we, we're so scared of it. And it, it often takes a lot of unraveling to allow the anger to even be there. And, you know, that's definitely true for me because I I would rather be angry at myself than especially another human, right? So, yeah, I mean, it it can get really complex.
0: I can so relate to you on that front. I mean, so much of the way I internalized anger was A, by avoiding it and B, by internalizing it um, to the point where it made me not be able to poop Right. It made me, um, find mechanisms to, to numb out similar to you and <clears throat> whatever I can do to avoid it. Um, that, that, that was my MO. It was just easier. And I love how you brought in the ancestral and generational because that's so true. I mean, and, and we know that, and I'm going to go back to the science for one more second, because it's like, we know that that is encoded in our gut microbiome, <laughs> you know, along with the trauma, right? Like that's real. And so it's just really, really fascinating. And we're going to dive into more um, around like how your patterns impact the way, you know, you externalize or internalize anger a little bit later in the podcast. But um, I just wanted to say, I can really, really relate to that. And there there are so many um, good things that can come out of it, like Amy was referring to. And then of course, there's the, there's the, the drawbacks, right? There's the suffering, you know, when we're angry, it's like, we're, we're suffering. That, that causes deep, deep suffering. It causes um, the the ruminating thinking and the overthinking, um, which is also something I'm very familiar with. That is um, a place that I used to spend a lot of time in. And I'm grateful that through this work, I have some freedom around that, right? Um, turning to numbing mechanisms, and that can be anything from substances to work, to food, to sugar. And yeah, and then also can lead to, you know, emotional and physical pain and aggression towards yourself and others into and the planet, right? And to, you know, I think about, um, I think about people who go trophy hunting, and, um, you know, they're hunting for uh, almost extinct elephants or rhinoceroses. I mean, that that has to be that aggression has to stem from some anger, right? I mean, it makes my heart hurt. It makes me angry <laughs> to think about that. But when I think about aggression, that's You know what I think about. And then there's like these really cool benefits of anger, because of course it's like this primitive survival instinct, like we need it or we we really can't function, but it, it also has some great health benefits. Like it allows you to move that energy through your body and release the tension. It creates agency, right? Anger, anger creates so much ang- agency. And I just remember, um, you know, before I quit my job at in corporate America and I was sitting in traffic, at, you know, that 45 minutes each way. And I was so angry. I was hungover. I'd stopped at some fast food restaurant. <laughs> I was trying to eat before I got into the office, but I was like, so angry. And I wanted to like, I thought about putting a plow on the front, you know, visualizing not actually going out and doing it, but putting a plow on the front of my car and just like banging into people during traffic. Right. But that, that anger created the agency to do something different. Right. It it pushed me over the edge. So I'm really grateful for that. I never did any of that, but that was some of the things I would think about driving to work hungover as I was eating my breakfast tacos, right. Late to work. Um, so it moves you into action it can move you closer to your goals. And one of the things I really um, it, this is the one thing that I think is really cool about anger is it can, it can promote cooperation and collectivism. And we saw this after 9-11, right? You know, you had, you see like this big tragedy, which was terrible, but people activated and came together. um, And there was just We were all one, it felt like for a little while. So it's like through, through these tragedies and the anger that comes out of that can create this beautiful, um, you know, experience. Um, it also makes you aware of injustice. That's my little ding, 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 um, because you know what, it's easier to be out in the world and mad at everything, angry at everything else, than to stop and like be look internal, right, and be um, mindful and be um, aware of the actual what's going on in your body, right. And it also can lead to, to change and self-improvement. I mean, look, look at this podcast and where Amy and I have both come from, right? <laughs> the anger of like one more time saying I wasn't gonna drink and then I was drinking, right? The anger of uh, towards myself with, with that addiction personally um, has led to so much positive change and self-improvement. So I think, I think uh, it can really, the duality of it is just a really beautiful thing. What do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think you know when we spell it out like this, it, it it brings up so many different things. Where for those of you that are out there that are like anger, you know, it should should never be felt, should never be experienced. It's like it has so many healthy bennies. If we look at it, it's like oh well, like this makes sense, right? But how do we express it in a healthy way? and i think you know that's what we're going to get into and i really want to talk to this it's like when based on the science when you're in an anger response you have no access to the smarter parts of your brain that can say hey this is happening for a good reason and you're going to be okay And thank God we have anger because it can alchemize the shit out of some stuff. Like there's no part of your brain that's like actually going there. It's just like, fuck it all. Like I'm going to, you know, let loose and, you know, optimizing your body, mind connection. All the shit we talk about here is about like, hmm, it's, it's not like we're going to be optimal like humans that never make mistakes it's like oh can i interrupt that the next time it happens or can i go repair that the next time it happens because where it's like i know so many couples that i support where the the fight the biggest fight brings like the most beautiful things to the light and then from there we're able to really get clear about what we're actually working on here. And, and if it wasn't for that big ass fight, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have gotten there. So I'm like, well, thank God you lost your temper, right? Then it's all about that repair and rupture process. And again, that's the duality. Now, uh, one thing that I do want to speak to as well is that, um, you know, oftentimes, then we get used to that being the way that we solve problems in the world, we throw a tantrum, we hit a rock bottom, we get into a really big fight. And it's like, okay, wait, that's not sustainable for the nervous system. It just isn't. So it's like we learn from a couple of these things. And then we imperfectly start to, to practice these things in our everyday life. Because I can feel when anger is coming up, like, pretty quickly. And I still don't do it perfect, but I'm like, Oh, I can slow down here a bit. And then, you know, for all the, the feminine energy out there that didn't know how to slow down, that can be the hardest thing. Cause it's so much easier to avoid conflict with And it's interesting. Anger can actually avoid conflict because someone really angry is going to have the other people, um, probably not want to be around that energy, but then we don't come to actual real resolution from that place because no one's hanging in the tension of the actual conflict of what's underneath the anger. Makes
0: sense. Oh, good. And we're going to jump into, um, the, what no one taught you. And I'm going to piggyback on what you just said, because, um, this really brings up a lot of, uh, just memories of me and my husband and our challenges around communication and um, and something that I've really just I, I don't know you know we, we just celebrated 17 years of marriage and when it comes to anything difficult to talk about it is like it is like nails on a chalkboard with him like I just it's so hard to get him to to speak and to um, you know, dialogue with me and it's so frustrating and it's been something that I've really struggled with. And a lot of times those conversations end up with me screaming, crying, and then collapsing into that dorsal response because I just, I, and I didn't, I didn't know what that was until recently. And it was, you know, that, that response was, I was an unmet need of wanting to be heard and, and, and seen and understood. Right. Um, so this is something that, that I've really struggled with personally, cause I have an avoidant personality and then he, you know, his family structure never talked about anything difficult. And we were talking a little bit uh, before the podcast about this, about how he goes into this doing mode. And it's so true. That's his, um, that that's his place of safety is in the doing right. And I, there's so much about that. I appreciate, um, about him for that but there's sometimes where we need to actually have a conversation. <laughs> and, and so it's just, we've really struggled with that. And, and, you know, we are extremely close and I love him so much. And then there's just this one thing about communication, but I shifted that recently. instead of going into the conversation, knowing that um, he's, even though we've just talked about the same thing, he'll act like I, he hasn't heard it before. And like, it's just really a strange dynamic. And so I switched that up a little while back. And now I go into the conversation saying, I really need you to hear me on this. I, I need you to put your iPad down and hear me on this. Right. And be un- I need undistracted <laughs> attention. And I'm just I, I also come at it with a different energy, too, which makes a huge difference. So I'm just very mindful about how I approach difficult conversations um, because it makes all the, the difference in terms of whether you know, it results in me like being so angry that like I can't even think, versus like actually getting my need met. And so I just thought I would share that with with all of you listeners because um, it's something that we really struggle with. And and up until recently, over this 17 years, yeah. And I'm really happy to report that it's it feels different now um, because of being regulated, because of being able to put some space around how I approach these conversations, the energy I'm bringing the nervous system regulation that I'm bringing into the conversation and also to just say what I need (laughs) because like, like they're not mind readers. Right. So that that's a little bit about my experience Uh about anger is just an unmet need. And we'll be back right after a word from our sponsor.
1: What if you had a tool that could help keep you accountable, mend your fractured relationships and establish healthy daily routines? Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help you create an optimized life, y'all. It's trusted by thousands of treatment professionals nationwide, including me. Soberlink helps recovering individuals gain accountability for sobriety through a comprehensive system that combines daily scheduled testing with advanced reporting capabilities to track progress. Soberlink devices use real-time results, facial recognition and tamper detection to ensure the integrity of each test. So your loved ones can witness you thrive in recovery for tips on how to achieve lasting recovery, as well as a $50 off promo code, visit soberlink.com forward slash thrive. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can I please break this down? Cause I love this. This is like my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> um, you know, and for the listeners out there, Conflict is in Claire, like there's so much, there can be so much conflict within because of an inability to be clear on your needs. And, and so you can feel so fucking helpless in the moment because you're like, ah, I just want to sing. And, uh," but you can't like get it out of your mouth and, and into like thoughts that make sense. And this is where having, you know, mentors, accountability, like people that speak this language is so freaking helpful because if you don't, if you haven't practiced, like stating your needs up front, like when we leave this conversation, I would like to leave with A, B, and C. Can you please hear me? And then can we revisit this at the end of our conversation? Like these things that are seemingly simple, are actually really difficult because the nervous system doesn't have any practice with it. And it's kind of like giving blowjobs. It's like, oh, I'm just supposed to do it, know how to do it because I am a woman or I'm a man that, I you know, likes men or whatever. It's like, no, you, we, you practice, you, you don't, nobody gave you the handbook on it. Nobody told you how to do it, but you go and you find all this data out about it. And then You do it. Like it's so real. But why do we expect ourselves to be able to have difficult conversations that we've never practiced? Right? Like it's so real. And you know, yeah, it's so alive and so many people. And that and this is what people drink over. This is what people eat sugar over. This is what people like you know, go to bed at night being resentful for, and don't get blowjobs because of because like, fuck. like there's all these unmet needs, but then there's this like stuckness that happens in the throat and in the body of like, I don't know how to tell you what I need. And so we have to, um, you don't have to do anything, but it's so brilliant to understand this and then to ask for some support and learning to have these conversations so that then you can have a lifetime of freedom and you can talk to your partners and to your friends and to your parents and to all of the people in your life with this clarity and freaking nail it and be like, yes, I know how to do this. So yeah, super powerful stuff, Jess. Thank you so much for sharing.
0: Yeah. And it's made just a huge difference, you know, like just when I think we can't be any closer, um, you know, we spend a lot of time together. Like we both work at home together. We've always spent a lot of time together. Right. Um, but this, this one thing, being able to, to talk more openly with knowing how to express what I need, it's just made such a huge difference in terms of our closeness and that, um, gosh, that just feels so good. So I think the other thing too, that's been really, um, helpful in understanding, um, you know, how just knowing how we both respond to anger through our attachment patterns. Right. So, um, let's dive into this a little bit because I know my attachment pattern is uh, a strong avoidant, right. And then there's some disorganized and probably some anxious in there as well, but I come to this with, you know, by the time I'm wanting to have the conversation, I'm already angry because I've avoided it for too long. right? And so I'm really trying to not get to that place anymore. So that's my part, right? My, my avoidant part. Um, and so, yeah, let's dive into this a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts around how the attachment patterns play into, into anger and how and how that plays into relationships, right? Yeah. Well, if we think
1: about our attachment system being developed as young as in utero, because it is, then we're already like forming some of these patterns and behaviors like before we're verbal. And so like, think about this, like your nervous system is already finding tricky ways to avoid the conflict, or to avoid the anger or, or to to jump in on the anger, because you get off on it. Right. And so our attachment systems have so much to do with this. And um a common theme that I hear from the avoidant. Okay. Do y'all I'll just quickly go over attachment. I know we've done this before, but there's four types of attachment. There's secure, which is the one that we're going for. So Jess and I like currently in this moment are in our secure attachments. We're anchored in a ventral flow energy. Um you know, we know where I start and end, she knows where she starts and ends. And we're in this conversation with you all. Then there's the avoidant attachment. We'll just start there because justice talked about that. And that's just, you know, in your childhood, you, maybe you weren't paid attention to a lot. You learned how to kind of like go off on your own and do your own thing because your parents were like busy doing other things. You felt mm, like it was just easier to not really be seen or felt and and maybe you felt like too much, but you didn't know how to really express it. so you can um, develop this avoidant pattern and and that shows up in your relationships of avoiding kind of everything. Um, but underneath the avoidant is usually an anxious, which is so interesting. so that's the third type of attachment system that we create and the anxious is um, literally feeling like you know, I I can't be left. I can't be left. I can't be left. Those, those feelings of codependency, sometimes they're labeled as, and I'd labeled them that for a really long time until I really started to understand that this is a nervous system response. And, um, and, you know, in your childhood, that could be really shitty stuff where your parents were like not dependable and you didn't know if you were going to get taken care of and get your needs met. And then there's the disorganized, which um, I definitely notice a lot in the recovery community where it's like, come here, come here, come here. I really want to connect with you. No, go the fuck away. Right. So, as soon as you start getting your needs met, then you push it away. Or if you're with an avoidant, <laughs> then you get really anxious and you want to make sure that they like you and da da da. But really, they're just off like avoiding. And so we when it comes to anger and expressing any emotions, like these attachment systems get completely ignited with no access to the prefrontal cortex, the smarter part of your brain. And you're just off and running in your patterns. And, you know, especially in a relationship, this can last for cycle and cycle and cycle and cycle and cycle and cycle for, you know, your whole relationship until someone says, what What are we doing here? Who's going to be the adult in the room? And, um, I don't even know if that's the right word. So like, who's going to be the secure attachment. Um, so yeah, this stuff runs deep and something that I think is really interesting to bring in here again, we've bought the ancestral stuff, but if all you've seen is conflict resolved with anger, which isn't actually resolved at all, then you are going to repeat that pattern in your life. Oh Yeah. And I have so much to say about this. We could probably talk all day. <laughs> um, something I notice in the avoidant masculine, and I, I have enough experience with this now where I can feel like this is definitely a pattern, is that there is a real fear that they're going to hurt someone if they get angry. And so there's a lot of unhealed masculine energy out there that really wants to express anger, but plays the good boy instead. And really they want to be like, but there's such a fear that they're going to hurt somebody with their anger. And so that suppression of that anger comes out sideways in weird ways, again, through like substance misuse or eating sugar or lots of, I see a lot of pornography in that, and a lot of kind of violent pornography.
0: Um, it's just fascinating. I can go on and on. (laughs) That is really fascinating. And it makes so much sense. The, the repressed, um, anger and what that, what that manifests as, Um, I love how you just described it as being, and then it gets uh, pushed out sideways. Um, Yeah, that's really powerful. So what can we do to create more space uh, around the anger response, right? Um, So that we can pause and um, be able to respond from the better parts of our brain, as opposed to the sympathetic or the collapse part of our brain. (laughs) And one of the things that, um, that really has spoke to me and especially over these, this last year, I've been on a health journey and I've been really angry. Amy will attest to this, like, like tantrum, angry a lot of the time, because I'm having to stick to a very restrictive diet and things aren't going the way I want them to go. And my, my fear, um, you know, my brain is taking me in all these different directions in terms of like what the root cause of this health condition is. And it's really put me, um, in, in a lot of like fear and anger all year long. So I, I keep coming back to, and Amy, thank you for always helping me with this. Cause it's like, it's hard to see it when you're in it. Right. But, um, you know, I, I am a hundred percent responsible for my life experience and, and, um, and that life just isn't fucking fair and once i worked through all a lot of my anger and my trauma and the injustices that i felt like um you know were done against uh, against me this really is i'm able to sit with this in a way that i've never been able to sit with it before like life is just not fair and that that is just what it is right um and that i am 100% responsible for everything going on um in my life and to just um have more acceptance around that. So that's, I don't know if there's an action around that. I guess the action is to, you know, take the time to do the work, right. To do the work, to work through the trauma. Um, but that this, that's really created a lot of freedom for me and, um, just knowing and, and, and being in deep acceptance around that. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, the action is what's your hundred percent part in it, you know, can you own that? It's not easy y'all. Um, as someone who had the, the anger inward, it's it definitely is easier for me. I can say that like because I, I, I was so used to and attuned to owning a hundred percent of it, even if it wasn't my fault. Um, but I had to work out that victim and because and, then I was persecuting myself. Um, something that I want to add in here too is that and this is a practice that I'm in really heavily right now. Um, John Weiland puts this as like getting angry wide. Uh, one of my mentors and I um, were talking about this just a couple of days ago. And, um, and I think we both like, cause we both feel so much through our bodies, getting angry from a grounded place. Cause I was like, ah, like my root chakra feels like, like it's just getting bigger and bigger right now. And I'm so grounded in it that I can get angry without, it being explosive. It's like mother earth has my anger with me. But, um, an example of getting angry like this is that I'm angry at the situation. I'm angry wide. I'm not angry at the person. I'm, I'm angry at the pattern. I'm angry at the behaviors. I'm angry that this continues to get passed on. And from that place, when I'm not naming, blaming, shaming, guilting, shaming, all the things, then like, I can feel that like energy of mother earth supporting me in that anger. And that feels really safe and actually like yummy. And, you know, I'm in a lot of like really yucky situations right now. And so I've grounded into my angry. And now that I'm saying this out loud like this too, like I'm, I'm seeing the roots grow right? All over Texas and California, <laughs> right? It's like, whoosh, they can like spread out. And then I can be really angry, but I can te- take the next grounded step to doing the things I need to do to, you know, make my, make myself feel right with the situation. So I think that's really good actionable step that people can take
0: yeah that is really good, Amy. Thank you for sharing that. I know you have a lot going on right now, and just that visual of you know spreading out and being literally grounded to the earth. Um, I feel like that makes a huge difference when I'm angry, just taking my shoes off and getting my feet on the earth, um, just to take some of that charge out. Right. So, oh, I feel so much of that. And to be, to, to really move beyond the, the person and, 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 and the blame and the shame. I love how you just worded that and really, you know, express the anger towards the patterns and behaviors. Um, that's so, so good. If you can think about doing that in your life, that, that would bring a lot of freedom. Listener, like just you putting it that way. I was like, oh yeah, I can, I can shift into that and do that. And that's an actionable step today. The other thing that I, I do, and I'm not going to, um, and I did, I did an anchor dump as part of preparing for this podcast. I'm not going to read it to you. But it's very freeing. And this this actually relates back to we did a podcast episode life um, beyond the amends process. Right. And so much of the 12 step work is working through these resentments and fears and and really anger. Right. So to do to do a dump and get it out um, out of your head and onto paper just really helps um, just take it out of your body a little bit. So um, just doing an anger dump for this podcast preparation was really liberating. Um, And and it does, it helps release it from your nervous system, because man, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And um, again, I won't read it all. But some of them are like, even we I woke up to two more of them today, which is just really heartbreaking. You know, some of the things that are going on here in Texas is just it's hard, um, you know, cause it does feel out of our control and, and it makes me really sad and angry. So I'm feeling a little bit of that today. But then, um, and this is what I think Amy, the way you describe it is what hill are you willing to die on, right? And so the next step is like, okay, do the dump. And then where, where do you wanna take action to change any of it, right? Like where, what hill do you wanna die on? And I always ask, my like, what is gonna move me into the street? I always think about that, right. The, the analogy of the dying on the Hill, but I think about what would actually move me into the streets to do a March, for example. Right. And so if I'm not willing to, to do that for any of these things that make me angry, then I need to just get them out of my nervous system and and let them go. Right. Um, And so, or I need to, you know, take steps to tangibly impact change in that area. And um, the things that are important to me, I do do that, and the rest is I've chosen to, to release, and I'm I'm not going to take conditional steps towards it. So that that's one thing that's been really helpful for me too. Um, and then the other thing that that I do every single day, and actually I've been doing it um, a lot. Have, well, I, I've been doing it a lot for years, but I've really amped it up recently it's just my loving kindness um, meditation. It's called meta meditation. And when I'm angry with somebody, I'll bring them into my morning meditation and I'll literally um, send loving kindness out to them. And I, I go through some mantras around that, you know, may you feel peace, may you feel heard, may you feel wrapped in love, you know, whatever I feel like saying, you know, during that meditation, but I'll really put them front and center. And that, helps soften things, right? It just softens the heart. So those are some of the things I do to create space. And I and I'll tell you like where I was before um I've learned all these ways to create more space around anger and where I where I'm at now is really like profound. (laughs) Like if you cut me off in traffic, I am like, oh my gosh, maybe you have somewhere you need to be. So if you knew me before, I would have like, you know, slammed on the gas pedal and tailed you to wherever and <laughs> and really been angry. Um, and now like that sort of you, it's really hard to get a rise out of me now. And it's because I, you know, we've done I've done so much work both internally, externally, nervous system-wise, regulating my nervous system. And so that work is really important. And it includes um, the trauma work, it includes the nervous system work and it includes regulating your body nutritionally um, as well. So those are some of the things that have really helped me with anger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Vegas nerve, you know, like it's all, all things lead back to the Vegas nerve and um, finding that regulation. And, you know, that's why we're here. Y'all I love, you know, may, may, you know, the beauty of your own true spirit. That's like one of my favorite things to, to remind people of like even just whoop and I push it out through my heart space, you know, even just at the grocery store when people are like getting all weird on me and you know what? Like I do it for myself and you know, if they feel it awesome, but it helps me release it. And I'm the most important person in my life. So like me feeling better is going to make the world better and you feeling better listener and it's going to make the world better. It just is like, if we all just took the time to really take care of ourselves in that deep way, There'd be less unresolved, weird anger coming out sideways. (laughs) Oh, Jess, I have got to go because like the way the world turns today, I've got another call soon. So this is so fun and I love you so much. This is so good. Thanks y'all. Thank you so much for listening today. And the best way that you can support us in the Optimize Life podcast is to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review And we would love to gift you the
0: Optimize Life Toolkit when you do that. So thank you so much for your support. Thanks again. And to go ahead and grab your copy of the Optimize Life Toolkit, head over to www.jessyanda.com slash the optimized life. And we have put together five hacks for you that will finally help you get in the zone all day, every day. Just so you know, we so appreciate each and every one of you. And thank you for joining us on this optimized journey.